0: Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, July the
1: 11th. Our findings serve to highlight the neglected burden of malaria in older children and reveal that malaria infection in school children may have more profound consequences than we previously appreciated. Preventing malaria could have important health and cognitive benefits for African school children and deserves more attention. These results show us that intermittent preventive treatment in schools is a novel and effective means to address this problem.
0: Preventing malaria in young children. Could this improve health and education at school age? The main feature of this week's podcast. After some highlights from this week's issue of The Lancet, dated July the 12th to the 18th, Arid Sir Dr Richard Horton and occasional podcast presenter Dr Rona MacDonald co-author a comment in this week's issue about the recent G8 summit in Japan. They broadly welcome the coverage of global health issues, thanks in no small part to the massive work of the Japanese government here but are critical of the lack of detail given to some crucial areas. For example, the issue of maternal, newborn and child health, which the Lancet has campaigned on over the past few years. No real detail there about measures to reduce mortality here, which causes an unneeded 10 million deaths every year. Also, there's a lack of a clear path about how the G8 will go about tackling global access to sanitation and hygiene. As identified by Rona in the podcast two weeks ago, lack of access to sanitation, water and hygiene accounts for 10% of the global disease burden, and urgently needs addressing. In research, encouraging findings from a phase 3 study that petulated interferon beta could offer better recurrence-free survival than current treatments for melanoma. It's also worth pointing out the review in this week's issue by Professor Daniel Hoft. He points out that, despite the emergence of the BCG vaccine for TB around 75 years ago, we are still a long way from eliminating TB, particularly in resource-poor areas of the world. So, from one global infectious disease to another malaria. This week we focus on a randomised trial done among schoolchildren in Western Kenya. Earlier I spoke to one of the authors of the study, Dr Sean Clark, who is at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in London, UK. Dr Clark, until the current study which we're about to discuss published in this week's issue of The Lancet, what has research actually told us about the treatment or otherwise of childhood malaria and how that can actually influence health and education in areas of the world where malaria is endemic?
1: The heavy toll of malaria in early childhood is is well-recognized, and recent research has also shown the neurological sequelae of malaria attacks, which can affect education later in life. In contrast, we know relatively little about the impact of malaria on health and education during the school years. Children living in areas of high transmission rapidly acquire immunity in early childhood, and by the time they reach school age, the risk of clinical attacks and deaths has generally reduced. Nonetheless, many children continue to harbor asymptomatic infections, which can be an important cause of anemia. There is strong evidence that iron deficiency anemia leads to... Imp- impaired cognitive function, and it has been postulated that other causes of anemia, such as intestinal helminths and malaria, could also be important. But relatively few studies have examined the role of asymptomatic infections in cognition, and have usually been inconclusive. In a recent review of malaria and learning in 2001, Penny Holding and Bob Snow concluded that there was... Little evidence to support the view that malaria-induced anemia leads to reduced cognitive performance. This has obviously now changed, with the results of this study showing that preventing malaria can increase sustained attention in class, with the potentially important consequences for school performance and learning.
0: Thank you for that. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, really, in terms of current research that's available. In terms of the current study, before I ask you to go into some detail, just to say this is a randomised trial uh, done among 30 schools in western Kenya... How difficult is it to run a randomised trial in that kind of setting?
1: We found that malaria is perceived as a very important problem by the local population. So the study was very much welcomed by the parents and teachers and we had incredibly strong support from the district health management team and the district education office and, and that helped enormously. We had some understandable questions from parents regarding the concepts of research trials um, and the ulterior motives of the research team and who the ultimate beneficiaries would be. However, the fact that the antimalarial drugs we used, sulfadoxine, pyrimethamine and amidarquin were familiar to the parents, went a long way to switch their fears. And undoubtedly the greatest challenge was probably obtaining individual parental consent for the 7,000 children we had enrolled in the study, and of course the sheer logistics on conducting the surveys in 30 schools, and the large volume of slides to be read. We also had a, a very positive response from the schools during the course of the study, with teachers reporting that the children were now healthier and participating more in class. And we had enormous support from the schools um, as a result of that.
0: Your study, could you just be very clear now then uh, what it is that you were setting out to achieve, what the objectives were, and then please go on and discuss the methodology of this randomised trial.
1: We set out to investigate whether malaria prevention in school children could reduce malaria-related anaemia and improve attention in class and ultimately their educational achievement To investigate this, we undertook a cluster-randomised trial in 30 primary schools in an area of high transmission in Western Kenya. The preventive approach that we chose to use was um, intermittent preventive treatment.
0: Can you define what you mean by intermittent treatment, please?
1: Intermittent preventive treatment is the mass administration of a full course of an antimalarial drug, irrespective of whether children are infected or not. We repeated the intermittent treatments once each term, i.e. at four monthly intervals, on three occasions during the 12 months of the study. And we evaluated the impact of this treatment after 12 months by examining malaria parasitemia, the haemoglobin level in the children, and also through tests of sustained attention in class.
0: And just to be clear, it was a two-arm randomised trial. So children were either in the treatment arm or in, a, or in a placebo control arm?
1: That's right, yes.
0: And what were the main findings? Presumably the first thing you had to look for was, was the um, anemia concentration.
1: The first thing we looked for is in terms of the impact on parasitemia because the impact on anemia wouldn't be seen without an impact on infection and we found that the treatment resulted in a 90% reduction in parasitemia. These are asymptomatic infections in the school children, and a 48% reduction in malaria-related anemia. We also saw a significant improvement in two tests of sustained attention in class. However, we did not find an effect on educational achievement, which was um, evaluated based on teaching which had been given during the last term of the intervention.
0: And in terms of assessing attention span in the young children, because these are primary age children, aren't they, so they're pretty young children. How is that done exactly?
1: This effect of the intervention was investigated primarily by comparing differences in the test scores and sustained attention in a cohort of older children in, in, in two of the classes. These children were aged 11 to 16. We selected this group for testing because they were old enough to understand the test instructions. Although it has been suspected that malaria might impair school performance, this is actually the first study that provides this evidence of a direct link between malaria and reduced attention in class. And these results thus indicate the malaria infection may hinder learning and its prevention could be important to enhance the educational potential of school children.
0: Are schools yet a target for malaria prevention campaigns aimed at young children?
1: Traditionally, malaria control focuses on what we term the high-risk groups, which is pregnant women and children under five, and school children currently are not targeted. As a result, they typically benefit least from current control efforts. Um, For example, I was reading recently that children aged 5 to 14 years are the least likely to sleep under mosquito bed net and coverage levels are typically half that seen in children under 5 years.
0: Now we've got this result um, in terms of academic research, what are the policy implications from here on in? What needs to happen now?
1: Well, I think the study illustrates two points. Firstly, that asymptomatic infections of malaria are are important, and this will require an emphasis on preventive approaches, such as insecticide treated nets or intermittent preventive treatment. And the second point is that preventing malaria in school children could have a beneficial effect for education. Our findings serve to highlight the neglected burden of malaria in older children and reveal that malaria infection in school children may have more profound consequences than we previously appreciated. Preventing malaria could have important health and cognitive benefits for African schoolchildren and deserves more attention. These results show us that intermittent preventive treatment in schools is a novel and effective means to address this problem.
0: Dr. Sean Clark from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, thank you very much for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. I'm joined on the line by Dr. Donald Bundy who works for the World Bank based out of Washington DC in the United States and he is not an author on this paper. Dr. Bundy, one main question really. You've heard Sean detail the study in question. What do you think are if you like, the broader implications that we can take away from this study? Because clearly some benefit was found. There are implications here, aren't there? Policy implications for the preventive treatment of school children with anti-malarials.
2: The importance of this is in relation to uh, education for all, the Millennium Development Goal of ensuring that all children complete education. Most governments, most agencies, including the World Bank, recognise now that health is an important constraint on education for all. And it was clear from some earlier studies, in fact one by one of the co-authors, uh, Matthew Jukes, in The Gambia, had shown that malaria was likely to be a factor, but that, that study had used malaria prophylaxis in, in uh, early childhood as, a, as the intervention. We thought malaria was important for education. We, we know that anemia is important for education, but it wasn't at all clear up till now what to do about it. The huge importance of this study is that it identifies a strategy for actually intervening against malaria uh, in the school-age group.
0: And is that enough to actually focus a strategy, the results of of one study like this? Or is further research required to replicate the findings before we can actually agree upon a strategy?
2: If you look at the the, the study, you'll see that, in, in fact, support for this study came in part from the Fast Track Initiative, which is a multi-donor global initiative to support countries in rolling out education for all programmes. So part of the support for this this, this existing study. Because of the promise of this study, the World Bank and the Fast Track Initiative are, in fact, supporting two, two follow-up studies. One, again, in Kenya, in a different area of Kenya, and the other in Senegal. And the question we're really asking there is, what are the, what are the operational implications of intervening in this way? and what are the uh, the real outcomes in educational terms. Because one of the issues in terms of the outcomes of the, the current study is that they showed a very strong impact on cognition, on attention in class, um, but, but weren't able to follow that through in terms of educational outcomes because you need a rather larger and longer study to do that. And I think we do need those, uh, those results before this could become more universally accepted, but it's a uh, huge leap forward. And this is very much in the realm now of, of operations research rather than having to address the underlying issues.
0: Dr. Donald Bundy from the World Bank, concluding this week's podcast. Many thanks for listening. See you next week.